it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like Sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chop Talk Podcast. My name is Andy Mitz. I am joined today by Steve Fetch from the site. We are ready to talk about basketball. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it in the last few weeks, and there have been a lot of things that have happened. So, Fetch, how are you doing tonight? Uh, good. Just uh, looks like I'm watching the uh, Celtics wrap up their series against the Wizards here, barring some sort of miracle, but I don't think it's going to happen. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw the Boston had jumped out to a pretty big lead in that game um, and then kind of lost track of it. So it looks like they're actually going to finish it off and put the... Uh, yeah, yeah, they're up by eight. It's about a minute 30 left here, so... Yeah, last I saw, I think there was about six minutes left in the fourth quarter and Boston was up by five, so... All right, well, let's, let's kind of jump into the KU news. Um Obviously, the biggest news kind of just dropped a couple hours ago, uh, Dwight Colby announcing that he was going to transfer. He is a graduate transfer. He, he graduated with a communications degree uh, yesterday, uh, Sunday, and so he is now eligible to play immediately wherever he decides to go. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, it, obviously, there's a lot of different directions we can go with that. Uh, talk, to, I guess, a little bit personally about how that worked out for him. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of, I don't know if I would say the writing was on the wall, but, I mean, he got off to quite a, you know, inauspicious start hurting his knee last year during his, his sit-out year. And then uh, it sounded like that knee just kind of never really recovered and never let him really get back to to full strength to where he could do anything more than play spot minutes. Um you know, he was pretty good when he played. I mean, he was one of the better rebounders on the team. He was obviously a a good defender, more of kind of like a positional guy than a than a rim protector. And you know, all the all the scoring he did was mostly like putbacks and stuff. 
definitely, I think he's a guy where if, if he was at full strength, he could have contributed at Kansas. And I think he's a guy who, even kind of as he is, can probably contribute somewhere. Um, for Kansas, I think, you know, the big issue is is where this leaves them down low. I mean, they have, uh, obviously, Azubuki, the, the big guy, and then Preston, uh, I think, will have a pretty good year. Uh, but then a, a, a lot's going to be on the shoulders of Mitch Lightfoot and, and Jack Whitman, who I'm sure we'll get to later. Um, and then no one is, is left on forgetting someone. Um, so I don't know if, if C stays and they, you know, go get another grad transfer or what they're going to do, but they might be uh, pretty thin in the middle there this year. Yeah. I mean, it seems like we might be setting ourselves up for a fairly similar situation to prior season, um, you know, where we have the one definite in, uh, in Azubuke. Um, and if anything happens to him, then we're kind of in trouble. We're kind of hoping that someone like Preston will come on and, you know, be, be pretty impressive in his first year. But I mean, that's kind of the way Azubuke was for us. He looked like he was going to be the guy that was going to fill in that backup role. Um, but then uh, obviously when he got injured, we were kind of hoping on, on someone else. I will say about Colby, um, you know, I think a lot of this has more to do with the fact that he was not going to be the guy and coming off of an injury like that and an ACL tear um, and then really not being able to get back and showcase himself very much this year. Um, I think he's going to run into a similar situation this next year that even even as the major or the, you know, the main backup behind Azubuke, it's going to be difficult for him to showcase his skills the way that he needs to to kind of put NBA managers at ease that he's over the ACL issue. I mean, obviously he could do some of that in a, in combine workouts if he gets enough minutes to actually get invited to the combine or he can do his own kind of workouts. But, you know, NBA uh, scouting in that, in that sense is nowhere near what it is for football where every, you know, every uh, team has its own workout that a bunch of scouts come to and everybody can kind of get a look at what he's doing. I think really for him professionally, it makes a lot of sense for him to try to go find somewhere where he can get a lot more minutes and so he can showcase himself and give himself a better opportunity to potentially get drafted this next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think more than that, it's just kind of about setting himself up for, you know, a D league opportunity or maybe an opportunity in Europe or something like that. Um, and, and I think with him, I guess I, I don't know his, you know, similar to where speed, um, you know, wouldn't count against uh, a European team's, you know, cap on number of Americans since he's a Ukrainian player. I mean, uh, Coley's from bah- the Bahamas originally, and, and I guess I don't know if that's his, you know, uh, passport or, or whatever you'd call it in terms of national team eligibility for uh, for those purposes, but that might be a, another situation where he wouldn't count against the team's cap on, on Americans. So yeah, I think you're right where this would, you know, definitely help him contribute to a, a college team and, and set him up for, for future professional opportunities. Um, NBA, you know, for me, probably not so much. Well, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that there's any guarantee that he was going to be even in consideration for that. But in terms of right. even overseas, they're going to want to see some sort of work for him to get right. good offers. And so going someplace where he actually has a chance to showcase his skills where he's going to get more minutes than just, 
You know, I mean, I, I would imagine he probably wouldn't average more than about 10 to 12 minutes as the backup unless something, you know, injury-wise happened that would cause him to get more. And so that, that kind of workload I don't think is conducive to him pursuing a professional career in basketball um, without a lot of extra bumps along the road if he has, you know, some other way that he can showcase himself before actually being out there as a professional. So, yeah, exactly. Now, of course, for, for Kansas, obviously, yeah, that, that does leave us kind of thin. I mean, it, I think it kind of uh, puts a little bit of more perspective into why KU or why Bill Self would go after somebody like a Jack Whitman, uh, which obviously is a nice segue into Jack Whitman, the uh, transfer that we picked up, I believe it was last week, um, had a lot of people questioning because it, it basically it filled up all of our scholarships. Um, and there was a lot of talk, oh, well, that means that Svi is now officially gone in the draft. Um, obviously, with, with the Colby transfer, that kind of opens things a little bit back up for that. But Whitman now, to me at least, seems to be kind of the insurance um, that, that Self kind of knew that Colby was leaning towards probably going. Um, and so we needed to get another body in there. Um, do you have any thoughts on Whitman? Is, is, is there anything that kind of jumps out about him that makes you maybe think that there's a little bit more to it? Yeah, um, I've I've watched a total of like 14 minutes of his college career. I went back and watched their their game against Duke um, last uh, November, where he scored uh, 13 points and had four or five rebounds against them, and and looks really good. I mean, he is, I think, athletically good enough to to play at Kansas. Um, he's more of a back to the basket guy as of right now, instead of a more of a stretch four, which, you know, he's 6'9", so that might be a little bit of an issue, although, you know, Perry Ellis certainly thrived at being that type of a player early, early in his career despite being smaller and, and honestly probably less athletic than than Whitman is, so I don't know that that'll be a, a huge issue. Um, he actually, you know, uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, he had some injury problems earlier in his career. So I think that kind of kept him off the floor quite a bit. And I think even, even last year, the, those issues kind of kept him off the floor a little bit, but uh, his numbers are good. I mean, he, he scored efficiently inside. He drew a lot of fouls. He was a, a pretty good rebounder, uh, blocked some shots. You know, he's not going to be the, the go-to guy or anything like that, but if he can be like a Kevin Young type, I think it'll be a, a pretty good ad and it's I mean it's only one year so if they miss on him it's it's not like he's eating up the scholarship for for three years or anything like that so yeah um, I think that that's a kind yeah. of a fair comparison uh, Kevin Young type I mean I've heard a lot about him being kind of a high energy guy I, I think too what will be very helpful and correct me if I'm wrong but being a grad transfer he can actually come pretty much right away and can work over the summer with staff there. Is that, is that something that I'm not remembering correctly or, uh, you know, I, I guess I don't know either way to be honest with you, but it sounds, I mean, that, that makes sense that he would be able to just come in right away and, and go. Um, right. Which, which, and if that's the case, I mean, I think he's going to benefit a lot, I think from getting on campus as early as possible and kind of getting, um, into that that strength training with uh, with Coach Huddy. I mean, we've we've seen time after time big guys that have come in and gotten under that that uh, conditioning and that strength program, and all of a sudden they bulk up in just a couple months, and you know they completely added another facet to their game because they're now bigger and they can push guys around more. I mean, I, I think that's 
from everything I've seen from him, it seems like that's kind of been his big weakness is that he's a little bit small, um, kind of like a gangly guy for, for um, the position that he plays. And so, I, I mean, I think that there's definitely a lot of potential there for him to come in and get that good um, strength and conditioning and, and kind of build up that bulk and then be able to attack down low the way that we would hope that he would be able to kind of filling in for some of these other guys. Yeah, he's he's definitely definitely not sick, that's for sure. Um he's he's a pretty thin guy, but uh you know, I I mean I, I think that that's maybe not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um sounds like it sounds like self gonna have him kind of step out and be more of a four man. Uh but you know, I, I don't know, I guess with with Colby being gone, I'm I'm pretty wary of of Azubuki being really the only interior defender right now. I mean, Mitchell would box some shots and stuff, but uh, he is pretty darn slight too. So he needs to put on a lot of muscle, and I don't think he's really going to be like a, a post defender or anything like that. More of like a more of a perimeter defender, and then when he blocks shots and stuff, it would be as like a a help defender type deal. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if if we really get hard up for uh, blocking shots, we we can always turn to Svee, right? I mean, he had that pretty good block against Mason in the uh, combine. Talking about Svee, I mean, obviously the big news with him is that that ankle injury in the combine kind of um, kind of derailed his ability to kind of show off more for any of the NBA scouts and, and managers that were there. Um, the, the last report said that they were advising him or he was being advised by several managers to go back to school. Um, I don't know if that is more of a, you know, kind of positioning to try to steal him late in the second round or if they really think that he would benefit a lot coming back to school. Um, how, do you, how do you read that situation? Do you, do you think the injury makes him a lot more likely to come back for another year? Um, with Colby leaving and, and, and kind of making that possible, or are we still looking at, I mean, I've been, the more I've been reading about it, the more I've been thinking, well, it looks like he might actually just stick in the draft and, and go ahead and go this year. Yeah, it sounds like he wants to stay in the draft and, and regardless of whether he's, you know, a first rounder or a second rounder, just wants to, to be a pro, which, I mean, it's tough to blame him for. You know, he's played college ball for three years and he's still just 19. Um, so, you know, the fact that he's just 19 means if he did come back another year, it's not like it would kill his stock or anything like that. Um, you know, the more I've read, the more it seems like teams are pretty impressed by his shooting. Um, he's athletic, you know, that's, that's one thing that I think people don't really realize is that he's a pretty good athlete. I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't really see what coming back another year does for him uh just from the sense that you know people know what he is by now he's been on the scene since he was uh he played in the he played in the hoop summit when he was 16 so he's been on the scene for a while now so i think people kind of know what what he can do and he's played for uh ukraine at all the under under 18 under 19 whatever uh european and world championships and he played for the senior national team at the world cup of basketball uh Two years ago or whenever that was and so um teams know what he can do and everything so i think all that you know he needs to go back to school stuff is mostly teams trying to you know make it sound like no one wants them so that they can grab him with the second rounder um i mean uh, you know 19 year old kid who's had a good college career and 
can shoot like he can, it would be a pretty darn good second round pick. I think you get kind of the the upside and the polish in one package. So I think he's staying. I mean, I'd love to have him back, but I think he's probably staying, and it's probably a good idea for him to stay. Yeah, I mean, I and and I think it kind of helps. I mean, the only reason I could see him coming back is if he's buying into the talk that he may not get drafted, and that's what he has to have is the and you know an assurance he's definitely getting drafted. Um, I, I think that there, you're right that that there's enough intrigue there um, that somebody is going to take him in the low round and you know stick him on a on a camp team, a summer league team, and and see how he can perform over a few weeks there, and then. Ultimately, I think he makes a roster somewhat somewhere if he does get picked up this year. Um, the, the one thing I will also go ahead and say is, you know, the fact that he has had that full that full three-year college career at this point, and he's still only 19. And, you know, he came as kind of an undersized guy that could really, you know, basically his, his claim to fame when he got here was that he was a really good shooter, um, and he really kind of needed to fill out. He's done that. He's played, um, you know, he was point guard or um, – you know, one of the main guards for that Ukrainian national team. I mean, he's done quite a bit in the few years that he's been here, and he is still so young. So that in and of itself, I think, is going to give a lot of people an incentive to kind of pick him up and take a look at him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any chance that if he stays in the draft, he just completely goes undrafted or doesn't get an immediate invite to a camp um, right after the draft. So, um, I, I mean, if, if if that's all his concern is, is that he has a legitimate shot to make a roster, then I, I don't see any way he would decide to come back. So, All right, well, let's um, jump to a quick break real quick, and then we'll come back, um, maybe try to talk a little bit more uh, basketball, maybe jump a little bit to the NBA playoffs, and then uh, we'll take a few other, a few other topics on. Uh, we will be right back on the Rock Talk Talk podcast. back here on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Again, my name is Andy Mitz. I'm joined here by Steve Fetch. We've been talking a little bit of KU basketball with everything that's been going on. Um, let's, let's go ahead and turn our attention now real quick um, to KU in the, uh, in the NBA playoffs. I know right now we were talking earlier about how Boston was wrapping that up, um, wrapping up their series to kind of move on there. Um, Looks like uh, I don't actually have the score up, but I, I do believe that Boston went ahead and finished that off. What have been your thoughts, though, Steve, about uh, the the Jayhawks that have been in the playoffs and their performances? Yeah, uh, I mean, Marquise Morris was like the, I mean, honestly, you could probably say second best player on the Wizards for the playoffs, um, which. You know, I, I like him a lot, but I didn't really see that coming with the backcourt that they have. Um, kind of kind of too bad, but uh, I think that was the last. Uh, he and he and Ubre, who are who was also on the Wizards, I think that's the last KU representation in the playoffs, unless I'm missing someone. But uh, nope, I just did like a quick little look, and it looks like that's it. So. Um, I, I don't think LeBron James decided to pick up any former KU players. Yeah, I know, right? Where you know, should have picked up Mario for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you know, Marquise Morris. I mean, I never would have guessed this watching him, watching him and his brother in college. But 
Marquise turned into a, a really good defender, which is kind of weird. Um, also a really good offensive player. Uh, Kelly Oubre has kind of turned into a good defender, too. You know, he gets lost on rotations a lot, but I think that's mostly just him being young and, and him kind of, you know, he struggled to adapt to some of that stuff at Kansas, too, where, you know, if you remember early in his career, I mean, Bill Self benched him basically because he didn't really know what he was doing. And I don't know if that's because he's just, you know, slow to pick up new things or just wasn't coached well in high school. Um, but, you know, probably just a, just an issue of picking up new systems and stuff. But, you know, he's got those super long arms where he can get into passing lanes and stuff and that's helped him be a, a pretty good defender. Um, other other guys in the playoffs, I mean, uh, Jeff Withy played a little bit when Rudy Gobert got hurt and, and did some okay things. Uh, he was overmatched pretty bad by DeAndre Jordan, obviously. Um, and then Wayne Selvin got some playing time for the Grizzlies and, and you know, had some nice moments. Overall, I don't think he played great, but I think he played well enough to, to get a look with, you know, either the Grizzlies going forward or on another team going forward, which is something that I definitely wouldn't have thought going into this. Yeah, so Sylvan, I think, was kind of an afterthought where Memphis was just desperate for something. And he, right. he came in and filled the need and, I mean, ended up starting in the playoffs, which if you had told me, you know, if you had given me guesses of, you know, former Jayhawks that you wouldn't have thought starting and actually starting the playoffs, he probably would have been like number, you know, 10 or 11 on the list. I, I would not have expected him to be starting a playoff game. Um, right. Or someone like Joel Embiid or, or Andrew Wiggins. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm definitely a little shocked that he was able to, to, to catch on and, you know, crack that starting lineup. I, I will also kind of jumping back to, to Ubre. you know, he was, he was kind of the catalyst for them for a while. Um, you know, even though he yeah, does get kind of lost on defense, uh, his long arm, you know, his freakishly long arms allows him to kind of make up for any mistakes he can make and still affect the play, which has been, you know, really to his credit, it, it kind of brings him in as, as the energy guy, just watching the Wizards defense. They seem to be a lot more high energy when he's in the game than when he's off of it. I don't know how that translates really into performance, but they definitely seem to kind of get after people a lot more, um, you know, and, and maybe I guess just the you know, observer or com confirmation bias. It seemed like they were being more disruptive when he was in there. Um, but, of, of course, you know, he, he, he got into that fight, and I'm trying to remember who the uh, player was that he decked. Um, uh, Kelly Olenek. Oh, that's right. Olenek, right. I mean, that, that, you know, after that happened, he was, you know, essentially a, a Washington Wizards hero around a lot of the Internet. Um, and so, I mean, you know, it's, it's well, I, I don't necessarily want to see our guys getting into fights for people to start recognizing them. It was nice to see that, you know, he's kind of helped to build the identity there and, um, you know, kind of give them a little bit of something exciting to, to, to take a look at going forward. So I, I see Ubre probably sticking with them for a little while um, and kind of in that role of that, you know, energy guy that's going to come in and kind of help spark the defense. Um, so hopefully he can kind of stick there. And, of course, I'm really looking forward to next year. I'm, I'm hoping that we get to see some of these these uh, top KU draftees come in and, and actually start to make plays in the playoffs. I'm, I'm 
you know, I, I never would have thought having nothing to do with Philadelphia that I ever be rooting for the 76ers to make the playoffs, but I really, really want to see him beat in the playoffs next year. And, and of course, yeah. Wiggins up with Minnesota. I, I know that that's oh. a team. Um, it'd be great to see them, you know. I would love to see a Wiggins and Embiid uh, matchup sometime. Yeah, speaking, that actually means speaking of those two, uh, they're, they're also important in the, in the playoffs because they're their team's uh, representatives at the lottery tomorrow night, so that should be interesting to see very, what happens. True. I hadn't even, I hadn't even uh, made that connection yet, so yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, why, why don't we go ahead and kind of jump there? I mean, I know that we're talking about uh, Josh Jackson is probably going to be a very high pick coming up. Um, which teams do you think would need to get that first or second spot in the lottery for him to be a, a, a one or two pick. Uh, so it's, it sounds like, you know, one of the, one of the uh, teams is Phoenix just because they have a lot of guards. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't think that anyone other than false is going to go one. Um, he just seems so, you know, much better uh, than everyone else. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's kind of weird where I think if, if he goes one and, uh, you know, the Lakers got the second pick just because they have D'Angelo Russell, I mean, maybe they would take Jackson, even though, you know, Lonzo Ball obviously wants to play for the Lakers. Right. Um, but, like, would you want to deal with uh, Lonzo's dad? I mean, I wouldn't. Oh, no, absolutely not. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. You know, the other team actually, you know, speaking of which, that, um, maybe Josh Jackson would, would work on as the Timberwolves. Um, you know, they have a really good point guard. Um, they just took a point guard last year in the draft who, uh, I mean, I think kind of sucks, but that's okay. You know, I don't, I mean, I think Tibbs likes him. That's Chris Don, obviously. Um, but, you know, those are kind of the, the two or three teams that I can really see you know, if the Celtics get the number one pick via Brooklyn's pick, I mean, do they take Josh Jackson when they have Isaiah Thomas, or do they get rid of Isaiah Thomas and capitalize on his value? Um, I don't know. I guess I just I don't really see a way that he goes higher than like third, um, which is fine. I mean, he's you know good enough to where I think he's gonna blend into you know really any uh, roster. You know, he's probably not ever gonna be like the number one guy on a team in the NBA, but I think he's got the type of game where he's going to blend in anywhere. So I think he's going to definitely be highly sought after. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know how, how uh, invested I am in him, you know, going number one or number two. Uh, I, I think going, you know, in the, in the three or four range will probably, he still gets the same level of prestige as being one of the top picks, but there's not that pressure of, Oh, well you were the best you know, the best player in your class and um, you're not performing as well as some of these other guys. I and mean, I think part of, part of that has kind of helped Embiid is, you know, knowing that he, well, he went number three, so he wasn't, you know, he didn't absolutely have to um, con- contribute right away as the number one pick in the draft. Um, and obviously, you know, knowing he had an injury going into it and it was a team in the 76ers that really wasn't much, was not expected of them at all, you know, kind of helped ease that. But uh, I don't know it necessarily would be a bad thing for Jackson to go to a team um, at, you know, three or four that doesn't necessarily need him to immediately be the star. Um, yeah, I think it would be very interesting to see him go to Minnesota um, to kind of see the two former KU guys kind of paired up there. 
Um, and obviously, I, I bet you would absolutely love to see that as well. But um, yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's kind of weird as a Wolves fan. They don't, they don't. I don't know. They do and don't need a guy like him. I mean, they have some wings who are pretty good and stuff. Um, I would like a a big man to be next to Towns, but. Obviously, I wouldn't, you know, they already have Wiggins, obviously, and then Rush and, and Aldrich. So, they'd have 4KU guys, which would be kind of cool uh, to have them on the team. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be uh, KU North. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kind of jump. Um, I think we'll kind of jump back into college. I've seen a lot of people, and, and, and I know you on Twitter kind of got into a discussion with some of the uh, the local radio talent about, um, obviously, with uh, Missouri basketball picking up another recruit this week, um, and now all of a sudden, of course, you've got all the, the MU fans that are making big um, pronouncements about how good they're going to be this year and how you know there's, there's even a chance that they could beat KU in the tournament and things like that. Have you ever – I mean, obviously, I know we're talking about Missouri fans, but have you ever seen something so, I mean, outlandishly optimistic um, for you know, in, in in such a quick turnaround. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of weird how like after the the last two years with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz playing at these schools that are not you know, I mean they're okay traditionally, but but as of late haven't been very good, and are playing for coaches that are you know good recruiters, but but bad game coaches, and then kind of going into the tank. Um, you know, why it's like oh third time's the charm, I guess. Um, you know, obviously Missouri has some other good players coming in uh, with Michael Porter Jr., but I mean, so did LSU two years ago. Um, I don't know. You know, they could they could maybe make the tournament. I guess you know the SEC is terrible, so maybe they could scrape enough wins and and sneak in. I don't think that that's the most outlandish thing to suggest. Um, and if you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm not I'm not rooting for them. But they haven't been good enough in the last, uh, you know, few years to where I really, like, I don't even check on their games at all because it's just, you know, who cares? And I, and I guess also that kind of spreads to, you know, every sport where I, I don't really, I don't really follow my team by checking on how the rivals are doing unless they're in like direct, direct competition for a team I like. So like, yeah, if Missouri was. In the Big 12, still, I'd probably be a little bit more like, you know, pushing back on this. But I mean, they're in the SEC, and I don't, I don't really care. You know, I don't think they make the tournament, but if they do, they do, I guess. Yeah, I, I think me being down in SEC country, I get to hear about all things SEC, and I, I just find it kind of funny that, you know, they're 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 talking about how they're going to be so good this next year, and yet they've had a hard time staying relevant. Um, even in the SEC, which is which is kind of an accomplishment in and of itself in basketball. I mean, it's really hard to be a team in a in a basketball conference that's you know as mediocre as the SEC is and not be at least mildly relevant on the national scene. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely a a, a big. Uh, I mean, it, it gives them something to be talked about, but I don't know if necessarily anything to be sued. I mean. I, let, let me rephrase. It's definitely something for them to be excited about getting to big recruit um, and potentially having something to build on. But we have seen recently, obviously, that, you know, it's not like it used to be where you get one big name recruit and all of a sudden everything 
falls into place and you have, you know, he can take over the entire uh, team and can lead them by himself to a tournament. We've seen way too many times where the number one recruit, just recently, the team doesn't even make the tournament. And so obviously it's, it's definitely a, a good trend up for them, but until they can kind of build on that um, and have multiple years of now good recruiting classes, I think it's kind of hard um, to really see that sustaining at all. Now, you know, I, I think it's kind of analogous, and, and I, again, this was kind of what was discussed on Twitter today, to, to the KU football program. Um, you know, they're kind of both in a similar situation where things are definitely looking up, but they've been so bad for so long that it's really hard to really count on anything like that. I will say I do think that the, the KU is a little bit in a better position with their football program um, just in that they, you know, have a little bit of success of getting additional talent um, around a bunch of different places. And then obviously you don't need to get as much talent on a basketball team as you do on a football team to make it competitive. But the recruiting prowess of, of David Beatty is, I think, less in question than the ability of uh, Martin to be able to recruit to, uh, to Missouri in the long term. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really want to get too much into Missouri, but, but with it coming up today quite a bit before we recorded, I figured we we better at least touch on it. So, All right, any other yeah. uh, basketball stuff you want to talk about? Uh, well, I, you know, not, I mean, not really, I guess. I'm just, I just keep thinking about what they're going to do with this last scholarship, uh, especially if Speed decides to stay. I mean, I just, I really think they need another – uh, big man. Well, um, do they have another scholarship if he stays? Uh, if he stays, no. Or if, if he if he stays in the draft, they do. Oh, but if he okay. if he comes back, then no, then they're full up. Well, yeah. I mean, so are, you, are are there any? And I know. I mean, I don't particularly pay too much attention to the grad transfer market as as much as I probably should, considering how often we tap into it. Um, I mean, are there any other big name? or even solid contributor grad transfer big men that we can be looking towards if uh, to not come back? Yeah, I, I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, so I probably shouldn't even have brought it up, but yeah, yeah I, I, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think so, but you know, there's probably some good, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, regular transfers if they wanted to go that route. Although I guess, that gets into, you know, how their how their scholarship situation down the road is and stuff. But um, well, well, I just mean, the, yeah, I, I don't think that. it's going to kind of be an issue um, if the if C doesn't come back and we do have that scholarship to use. I mean, I'm not sure where they would go with that. Um, maybe they want to, you know, try to find another big man, uh, like a freshman big man that. Um, maybe is a little bit under-recruited at this point and they can potentially develop him into something. I just don't know. I, I was trying to look at it a little bit earlier and I just didn't see anybody that kind of jumped out as, you know, this is a big man that's still available that could play for us next season um, that would really immediately solidify what we were looking at there. I, I do think that the transfer situation or the, I'm sorry, the, the, the scholarship situation is definitely now, kind of wide open. Um, I was still kind of holding out hope that somebody like Duvall would decide to come. Um, and that's why we would have somebody transferring out. But now, you know, the more I think about it, the, the less I think we actually need someone like that as opposed to another big man. Um, yeah. So, I just, yeah. 
Yeah, I just did a I just did a quick Google search and found the link from from SB Nation and no one that really looks that good as far as big men. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, Sim Bular who played for New Mexico State. Uh, he's the guy who's like seven seven or whatever. And, right, the name rings a bell a little bit. But uh, his his brother Cam Veer is a grad transfer and he's seven uh, two. He he averaged two points a game, uh, but it would be kind of funny to have him uh, be in there as a, you know, just stand there and be five fouls, I guess, if nothing else. Well, right. I mean, and, and the other thing, I mean, I think we kind of have the, you know, big, gigantic guy to play the five. Um, I think if we did get another transfer, I think we kind of want someone that's more in the role of a four, um, more, of a, more of a true four, because I think that would be the big reason. I mean, we've we've shown we can go with a with a four guard lineup this last year, and we've got most of those pieces returning, um, or you know, getting enough new pieces that can kind of fill in the ones that we're losing, to the extent that I think we we could be just fine going with that four guard lineup for a good portion of this next year, if that's what it came down to. Um, I think the only reason that we would want to go with an, another immediate big man is so we can kind of shore up. That, that four spot, you know, because, I mean, right now we're looking at Leitner. Um, I mean, I guess Whitman is more of a five from what I understand. Uh, I'm sorry. Lightfoot. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. I'm thinking there. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then uh, Preston, I mean, I've heard some people say that he would kind of fit more naturally in the five and some more naturally in the four. I'm not really sure what to think about him at this point um, in, in terms of that. But I think – I think really if we're going to be getting another big man, we kind of want more of the insurance in case Preston can't play the four um, so that we have somebody that could be solid there. And I just don't know who's out there is available that would really be able to step into that role in a significant way. Yeah, I don't think it's – I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. But Bill Self will figure something out because it's Bill Self. So. Right. I mean, and, and ultimately he may decide if, if C doesn't come back that we still have enough for this year and maybe he wants to get somebody that's going to be more of a project for down the road. I mean, we're, we're going to have a lot of that already. A lot of people that are going to, you know, kind of um, be the reinforcements for next year. But I don't, know, I don't know if it's never too early to be looking down the road for when we're going to lose some other guys. So, All right. Well, with that, um, I guess since since we're done with the basketball stuff for now, let's take another quick break. Um, We'll jump back and kind of jump into the other sports and and just kind of do a quick roundup of everything else that's been happening. So uh, we will be back right again uh, in in just a moment here on the Rock Chart Talk Podcast. into our final segment here on this episode of the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Again, this is uh, Andy Metz. I'm joined by Steve Fetch. Uh, we just got done talking a bunch of basketball, so let's kind of jump into the other news. Um, this last weekend, uh, Kansas played Kansas State in baseball in the Sunflower Showdown. Um, by taking two out of three there, they actually um, officially punched their ticket to the Big 12 tournament, as Mike was talking about last week. Um, they actually only take the top eight teams because there's nine teams in the Big 12. 
um, into that tournament for, for an opportunity to play uh, their, their way into the NCAA tournament. Kansas State is still in last in the conference, and now there is absolutely no way that they can catch Kansas. Um, so they are officially in that tournament. Steve, did you uh, get a chance to catch any of the baseball games, or do you have any thoughts about baseball you wanted to share with us tonight? Uh, I did actually uh, watch uh, the game on uh, Saturday um, and uh, a little bit of the Friday one, I think. You know, they all kind of blend together, uh, to be honest right. with you. Um, but, yeah, you know, they got a young team, and, and they were picked to finish last, and and they've been a heck of a lot better than I thought they'd be, to be honest with you. Um, they play uh, Texas Tech this weekend. And, uh, you know, they're, they're tied for fourth, but they're just, uh, you know, two games out of the um, – out of first in the loss column. Oh, for okay. Uh, right. And I, I think that they have one weekend left and maybe some other teams have two weekends left, but I'm not 100% sure. But either way, you know, I think there's, I think there's a way they can still get to as high as that conference. Um, I don't know that that will happen, obviously, but – um, they've been kind of, you know, middle of the pack in, in both hitting and, and fishing, but that's been good enough um, to, to the point where, you know, they do well in the uh, Big 12 tournament. I mean, maybe they have a shot at, at uh, making the NCAA tournament. I don't know. I don't, their non-conference yeah. certainly is not very good, so they're probably going to need a, a deep run, but I guess I'm not. I'm not as up on the on the baseball stuff as I probably should be, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I was I was taking a look at a couple articles today. Um, they were talking about the, the the baseball team and the fact that they took two or three from K State, um, and that actually brought their RPI up into the the low to mid fifties, um, which is usually about where you need to be um, as a power conference school. And actually, I mean, the the Big Twelve actually has a reputation as a really good baseball conference. Um, with all the schools down in Texas and, and Oklahoma, they've actually performed really, really well. And so um, it, it, it definitely helps to kind of have that reputation of being in one of those big-name conferences. I do think they still have some work to do. Um, they, they definitely need to avoid getting swept by Texas Tech uh, if they want a shot at, a, at an at-large. And obviously, you know, making it to the final rounds of the Big 12 tournament would definitely be helpful. Um, if I remember correctly, it's been a little while since I've looked at it, but I believe what they do is they separate the teams into two different pods of four um, and kind of treat it as like a, a regional where essentially you play a double elimination tournament um, in your pod of four, and then that takes you into the championship round where it's the best two out of three. Um, I may be a little bit off on the format. They may have changed it or, or, or tweaked it a little bit, but baseball, they're actually usually pretty consistent in tournaments where they – they, they set up those pods and then move them on to the next group and, and kind of keep going that way. Um, so, I mean, it, it definitely would help. And, and Kansas actually has a, a midweek game against, I believe it's Creighton on Wednesday, yep. um, which will definitely be a big boost for them if they can win that. Um, I mean, I, I think if they win that game and then they take one of the games against Texas Tech, since it's in Texas, um, it's, it's down in, in Lubbock. That would set them up really well. But I think if, you know, as long as they don't get swept out of the Big 12 tournament, I think that they would have a realistic shot at being an at-large team. Um, now, obviously, they probably wouldn't get placed in a very friendly area, um, and it's going to be quite an uphill climb. But, 
you know, they, they definitely did, uh, you know, the last time that I remember them in the tournament was back when they faced Kentucky and they, they won a couple games there and were really close to moving on. Um, this is the kind of team that's been hot enough recently that I think they could make a good showing. They could get on a big run and they could su- surprise some people in not only the big 12 tournament, but the, but, but that NCAA tournament as well. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, at the RPI here, and they're 58th right now. Um, and apparently, RPI is like a big deal for baseball, whereas it's it's not as much for for basketball. But uh, the Big 12 has uh, two teams in the top 10, and and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in the top 25. So uh, they certainly, I think, are excuse me, six in the top 25. Kansas is actually seventh in the Big 12 and RPI. But right. uh, so it certainly looks like you know, with that conference strength of schedule, maybe they get a little boost there. And and like you said, yeah, maybe if they can pick up a win or or heck even two down in Lubbock, uh, that'll you know maybe give them a, a nice little boost. Well, right, and and if they win that that series down in Lubbock, I mean, I think that almost is enough to put them in on its own. They will have one um, series against a lot of different, you know, quality Big Twelve opponents, I believe. Um, and and the other thing to mention, of course, is that they have actually not been swept um, by anyone other than I believe Stanford early in the year. So while they have, you know, which which kind of I think con- contributes to their middle the middling record that they had for a good portion of the year. I mean, they were, they were the last big 12 team to be under 500. I believe even K state is still above 500 at this point on the season. Um, even with their dismal big 12 record. So, um, I, I, I may be wrong on that, but yeah, I mean, KU for the longest time had the worst overall record, but yeah, was sitting at like third or fourth in the conference because they have had a good showing against the other major conference teams. Um, so finishing the season off with a, a conf or a, a series win against the you know the the second place team in the conference, I think it would probably be enough to get them serious consideration. Yeah, one thing, uh, just a just a quick uh, add on here. I was looking at their staff a little bit earlier. I noticed that they have just six home runs in conference play. Right, and there are uh, there are three players in the Big Twelve who have more than that many home runs. So yes, uh, yeah, they're they're in last in homers by quite a bit. But this is definitely um, your uh, 2015 Royals type college baseball team. They are not power hitters by any means at all, um, but they just seem to be able to string together, you know, the individual hits um, or. You know, even even other positive results. I mean, you know, I was talking about this last week. Um, it was it's it's a car who got hit by a pitch twice in the same inning, and that inning had 11 runs scored in it. So I mean, they've been able to put together a bunch of singles and doubles, and um, hit 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 by pitch and walk and and things like that to score in bunches. Uh, they just have not been able to really be uh, a, a huge power team, which usually is what it takes to be successful in college, but um, for some reason, this this team has been putting it together in conference um, without being able to really smack the ball around very much. Yeah, it seems like once I once I went back to these bats that are have a lot less spring than the ones that I remember when I you know watched college baseball growing up and stuff. It seems like it's become a lot more of a 
pitching and defense type thing, which I, I think is good. I mean, I think it's a little bit more fun to watch games like that that kind of move her, uh, move along rather than, you know, the five-hour 23-20 type games. Yeah, you know, I, I've come to find I the games that I enjoy least when I'm watching baseball are the ones that look like they could be football scores. Um, usually it's because, right, because, they, you know, innings drag on forever and you're seeing um, – hitters taking advantage of pitchers that obviously just aren't pitching very well. And while it's, it's, it, it's, it's exciting when your own team obviously scores a bunch, if you get a bunch of high-scoring games, they drag on and they take a lot longer than they really should. Um, maybe part of that is just me, you know. I actually coach my kids um, on, their, on their baseball team, and we always tend to enjoy the games that are, you know, two to one or three to two that are nice, quick games that we breeze through that, um, still have a lot of excitement to them rather than the ones, you know, that end early in like three innings and it's like 17 to one. So I, I definitely think baseball is the kind of sport where it actually is more exciting when there is less boring because you're seeing a lot of good plays um, or a lot of solid fundamentals that, that actually kind of is what makes baseball, I think, a more interesting sport um, just overall in terms of watching. So. And I'm sure there will be plenty of people that will disagree with me on that. And I'll, I'll, that's probably the thing that will get the most comments of the entire episode of the podcast is me making that comment about, you know, how, how, how baseball works. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and any other thoughts on baseball before we move on? Uh, no, you know, I just, I hope they can maybe go on a nice little win streak. Hey, let's just, uh, let's just have them win the big 12 tournament so we don't have to worry about it. Hey, I'm I am all for that. And any time that we can uh win something in the conference, I am all for that. So all right, let's let's jump on to our next uh, topic for tonight. Uh we're, we're actually gonna go ahead and talk a little football. Um not not something we do very often when, when Fetch is the only guest, but um obviously you know, there's been quite a bit that's going on. We actually had some additional news today. Um we did have a an, another commit used to be from Olathe North, uh, went off to uh, one of the community colleges and is now um, going to be coming to KU as part of the 2018 class. Uh, Fetch, did you have a little bit more information on him? I can't seem to find it right now. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he actually he went to uh, Coffeeville. Oh, um, right. Yeah, and he's got, he's got one more year there. Um, and this is, I guess I, I missed if he said his name, it's Zach Burks. Uh, and as far as I can tell from from looking earlier, he uh, played uh, on the end in high school and has kind of bulked up and moved over to D-tackle and will probably be at D-tackle this year and at KU. Um, this uh, Kansas is his first uh, big-time offer. Um, he had one for, uh, from UAB and one from uh, SMU as well. And obviously, you know, SMU is a, a good program. They've had a little resurgence. Um, but with those two being the only two offers, you hopefully this is just a scenario where uh, Dave Beatty or, or whoever saw him kind of saw something in them that, you know, maybe some of the big programs will end up seeing, which which has happened, uh, you know, actually quite a bit for, for KU recruits the last couple of years. So it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. But But if anything else, I mean, it's a – it's a guy they can bring in who is, you know, physically developed and you can plug and play him, you know, even if he's just a backup along the D line to give some guys some reps. I mean, that's, 
that's pretty important. You know, I, I don't know uh, a ton about football, obviously, but one thing I do know is how important uh, both of the offensive and defensive lines are. So the more bodies they can get along there to where they don't have to, you know, tire these guys out, uh, the better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I, I mean, I definitely think that this is kind of more of a, you know, this is a Kansas guy. Um, and so we obviously wanted to get the best, the best talent that we can out of the, the in-state um, sources that we have for it. But also just thinking about the fact, you know, um, this, is, this very well could be the last year of Daniel Wise and Dorrance Armstrong. Um, and so we definitely are going to need some reinforcements on, on the defensive line going into next year. Um, even if he doesn't pan out to be a star by any means, he is a known quantity. Um, you know, I, I was seeing he, he, was, he played at Olathe North for um, someone who was actually on staff here at KU now. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it doesn't hurt to get a guy that we already have some familiarity with, at least, at least the uh, coaching staff does. Um, and so it's definitely always a good thing when you can get quality Kansas people to stay in Kansas and come to KU instead of going to K-State. Uh, I think I, I had this discussion with Mike on a, on a previous episode of the podcast where, you know, any time we beat out K-State for a recruit, it's probably a good thing. Um, one that because that means that you know K State was actually going after them, so it's not like we were just deluding ourselves into them being a good player. Um, and obviously, it's good to kind of make sure that we uh, you know win those recruiting battles in in state because that in and of itself is helpful on a national scale to show that we're getting the best guys out of our own our own territory here. So, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know that he's going to wow anybody at least not for a while until he's had a chance to develop. But it, 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 I don't think it can hurt as long as we have the scholarships available and we're not turning someone else away. I don't think it can hurt to kind of add to this class. So um, to kind of, kind of see where that flows into, we actually did have a question um, on Twitter for the Q&A asking about the football, the recruiting class situation. And I'm trying to get it pulled up right now. Uh, but essentially, I'll, I'll, I'll actually get the uh, shout-out to the, to the Twitter user that was asking it in just a minute here. But essentially, his question was, um, you know, what do we see of the, uh, the, recruit, the, the, the recruiting class situation, especially in terms of how it relates to other Big 12 classes, and where do we ultimately see this recruiting class ranking among the Big 12. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on that, or, or, or would you like me to go ahead and just jump in on that? Uh, well, obviously, I, I saw you know the the kind of rush of guys from uh, from Louisiana that they had, uh, which is nice. Um, I, you know, if they can hold on to like half of them, I'll be happy. You know, I think National Signing Day is in like February. So long time to go. Um, yeah. And, if, and actually, you know, a lot of these guys are, are a little bit. Guys. Sorry about that. They actually just signed that legislation. It has been approved now officially. That's so right. there is right. a signing day in December now. Obviously, it's only a two month di- or a month and a half difference. It's like December 21st through the 24th. Second or I'm sorry, I, I think it's the to the 20th through the 23rd this year, I believe, um, somewhere in that range. So it's, it's only about a month and a half, but obviously with the flurry of activity that happens in January, um, 
you know, the earlier you, you can lock them up, the better. This may end up helping, uh, you know, when we're trying to hold on to some of these, these four-star guys you're talking about from Louisiana. Um, and then really, I think ultimately that's what's going to be determined, the determining factor in how well this class is ranked ultimately. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different recruiting services, obviously, but uh, 247 Sports has this ranked as the, the 23rd class in the nation right now. Um, and I think part of that is that some other teams are, are adding additional people at this point that we're just not able to compete with. Um, we are ranked number five in the Big 12, according to that service. So, um, you know, we are, we are kind of slipping a little bit here and there, but that's kind of to be expected. If we can hold on to these four-star guys, I do think that there's a really good shot we could be in the top half of the Big 12 for, for this recruiting class. But that really is a big if still at this point. There's still a lot of time to go. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're still looking at another seven months before these guys can officially sign, and that's if they decide to take the early signing period. So I think it's still a little too early to speculate. There, you know, there's a chance we could get some surprise signings that could ultimately see the class go up. Um, but much more likely, I think, that we could see a couple of these guys who ultimately decide to go, you know, somewhere closer to home in Louisiana or some other SEC school that decides to offer them. So. Yeah, you know, honestly, um, if they just get into, like, the top 50, I'll be fine. Um, you know, recruiting in terms of, like, winning a national title and stuff, you need to be at the, the top 5, 10, somewhere in there. You know, there's a lot of variance towards the bottom where, you know, a, a two-star who may not be as good as a three-star or something like that will come in and, and just develop better or whatever. And I think you can make up a lot of ground with just better development or just kind of better, you know, maybe seeing these guys early. And, and if they commit early, they don't get as evaluated as much by evaluators and stuff. So maybe their ranking is depressed a little bit. So I think on the margins, it's, you know, the ranking maybe isn't as important as it is when you get up into the 20s. But it, it would still be nice to be like a top, you know, 50-ish class. Yeah, I think Mike and I had this discussion that, Honestly, there's not really, I think, an excuse for being below the 60s um, as, a, as a Power 5 conference team. Um, just because, you know, because these are additive, so every time you get a three-star, it adds a certain number of points to your rating, and that will push you up. Um, and obviously, you're, you're generally more likely to get a bunch of three-stars, um, you know, or even highly rated two-stars as a Power 5 team that a lot of these smaller ones can't get. They're getting one or two stars um, to fill out most of the class. I, I do think, though, um, obviously, you know, the more you can develop your guys, the better off your program's going to be in the long run. I, I think the big splashes that we've been able to make in recruiting is enough to get us kind of back on the map for some of these recruits, especially some of these, you know, two- or three-star level guys that have a lot of potential to develop into – quality members of the program. Um, and, and ultimately, I think that's, that's going to be much, the much more important thing is how well are we developing the guys that come onto campus as opposed to making big splashes and signing four- and five-star recruits. Um, you know, if, if we can continue to develop these guys, then ultimately the recruits are going to see that and say, oh, well, look what they did with this two-star. If I'm coming in as a four-star and have, you know, this much better of, of a floor, what can they do with that to help develop me? 
And that's where we're going to start to see the big gains in the recruiting. Obviously, it's going to take a while. We're going to have to have that, that track record of developing guys, I think, to be able to consistently pull in much better classes. But yeah, I, I do think, you know, low 50s, maybe even slipping into the 40s, I think would be a solid improvement. Um, I, I don't quite remember what our 2017 class was ranked. Um, but, you know, obviously starting where we're at now is much better than we started last year. So hopefully we can we can end up with a better result than we had last year. Let's go ahead and kind of move on at this point. Um, just a couple other notes here. Uh, other other KU sports, Kansas tennis was eliminated from the NCAA tournament. I don't actually have the details of the match. I just happen to remember seeing the headline. And uh, this last week, this last weekend, uh, down at Rock Chalk Park, um, we, they actually hosted the Big 12 track and field competition. Um, from everything I had seen there, we had a, a, quite a few um, excellent individual performances. The KU men ended up taking second place overall, and the women took fifth place overall, if I remember correctly. Um, so, so we had a good showing from our, from our other uh, teams here. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was really good to see them perform as well as they did. And obviously, once we have more information about what the next step is for any of the track and field participants, we'll make sure we get that information up on the site, either in the, the news and notes or depending on, on what all we have, maybe we can kind of come up with a roundup of, the, of, of all of that there. So, um, Well, Fetch, before we uh, close for the evening, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about real quick? Yeah, I got I got one uh, one other thing here. Uh, I just, just saw a tweet from uh, uh, that Jovan clearly, I believe, how you pronounce it, but I'm 100 positive. He's a 2018 point guard uh, on the New Jersey. He's a top 25 prospect. I think mean, he's uh, 20 seconds in the 247 composite. Uh, just tweeted out his top seven. Uh, Kansas is in there, along with uh, UCLA, Seton Hall, Stanford, Virginia, Arizona, and Villanova. Um, looks like uh, while the crystal ball had them even with uh, uh, Villanova and then St. John's, who didn't even make his top seven. So, you know, I don't think the crystal ball is really anything to look at until like the day before our commitment anyway. But... Um, as I said, he's, he's from New Jersey, uh, so maybe Villanova and Seton Hall have a little bit of an advantage there. And he um, plays his uh, AAU ball for an Under Armour program, and, and Seton Hall is an Under Armour school, so maybe Seton Hall is in the driver's seat a little bit right now. But um, other than that, you know, I don't know if he would be a, a good guy to add. I don't know a ton about his game, but... Uh, he's ranked pretty high, so I'd take him. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think it can ever be a bad thing to be tied to a, a highly ranked recruit, um, especially, you know, point guard. I mean, obviously we have some additional talent that will be available for that next year, but you can never have too many point guards. Um, you know, we saw how, how well that worked out for us to have two main point guards this last year, so... Uh, I definitely would not complain if, if he kind of joined us at that point, especially given how many scholarships we're likely to have available at that point. So, All right. Well, um, unless anything else kind of jumped out to you in the last couple minutes here, I think we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this up at this point. Um, I, thanks, thanks again for joining me, Fetch. Uh, to the listeners, thank you for 
for listening to tonight's episode. We will be back again, uh, hopefully early next week with another episode. Um, going to try to get these or you know mondays or tuesdays and, and get them up on the site so we can have them ready for you um you know we'll hopefully have more to talk about with the ku baseball we'll get some kind of get into maybe some preview of the uh, baseball big 12 tournament um and obviously if there's any other additional news for ku football or, or, or basketball recruiting we'll bring that to you as well at that point so again thanks thanks for listening and have a good night Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.